0: Welcome to the Race with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day with where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians 5 It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and it is a kind of sexual immorality that not even the Gentiles practice. A man has his father's wife, yet you are proud. Shouldn't you have been filled with sorrow so that the man who did this deed would be removed from among you? Even though I am absent in body, I am present in spirit, and as one who is present, I have already decided about the man who has done such a thing. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit is there, along with the power of our Lord Jesus, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that the spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord Jesus. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Purge out the old yeast, so that you may be a new batch, just as you are unleavened. For our Passover lamb has been sacrificed, namely Christ. So let us keep celebrating the festival, not with the old yeast, not with the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral, I did not at all mean the sexually immoral people of this world, or the greedy and swindlers, or idolaters, for then you would have to leave the world. But in this situation, I wrote to you not to associate with anyone who is called a brother, if he is sexually immoral, or greedy, or an idolater, or verbally abusive, or a drunkard, or a swindler. Do not even eat with such a person." For what business is it of mind to judge people outside the church? Do you not judge those inside? God will judge the people outside the church. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. This is the word of our God. As Paul continues discussing the problems, the issues that need correcting here at Corinth, he begins with probably, well, (laughs) they're all pretty major, but this one is of such a sort that even the Gentiles do not even practice. This man was sleeping with likely his stepmother. Um, He is described as his father's wife. So probably not his biological mother, but that does not make it correct, obviously. Um, It just makes it slightly less repulsive. And what Paul is saying here is that is that this is the time to carry out church discipline. They were proud. They were saying, well, aren't we, aren't we forward-thinking? Aren't we loving? Aren't we, um, don't we have open minds about these things? And Paul says, yet you are proud. Shouldn't you have been filled with sorrow so that the man who did this deed would be removed from among you? And the contrast with when he he refers to the Gentiles in verse 1, obviously remember that the Corinthians are Gentiles. They are Greeks down there in the city of Corinth. For the most part, they are Greek. And um, and when Paul says that, he reminds them that they have been called to a new life, that you you are Christian as your primary identification, not Gentile, not Corinthian, not Greek, but christian and he says that these these corinthians were even happy and applauding this relationship as something that that said hey aren't we aren't we forward thinking and paul says you should have been filled with sorrow and so now is the time for church discipline, and you notice that the Corinthians had substituted their own concept of love in in place of god's concept of love. They had substituted their own concept of of goodness in place of god's concept of goodness, and that 's the way it always works, doesn't it where we have we have our own concept of or idea that we put in place of god's, and we say well i 'm living up to it I'm, li- I'm living up to this idea of love." But we define it in terms that fit our circumstance. And there's, a, there's another warning here. The Corinthians had fallen into what we call the, what I call at least, the antinomian trap. Antinomianism is that idea of throwing out God's law, anti meaning against and nomos meaning the the Greek term for law. So antinomianism um, wants to say that you can't have you can't have a God who actually condemns sin or says that something is wrong. you have to have a God of love and only of love. And obviously that's a false dichotomy because love is the fulfillment of the law. Love is a command. Love one another. That is a statement, a command. But there's a tendency, and if you, you might recognize it in, in modern music, um, maybe you recognize it in modern other churches, and um, I'm sure it's, it creeps into ours here and there. Not to the same degree, but there is a tendency to define God in terms of love rather than a God in terms of holiness. Obviously, all these characteristics of God that God is holy, God is just, God is love, that God is omnipresent, that He is present everywhere, that He is omniscient, He knows all things that God is almighty, He is able to do all things, all those things are characteristics of God, but when we come to discussing the relationship of law and gospel, especially as it applies to a person's life, we need to keep those two aspects in mind. That love is not purely gospel and holiness is not purely law. That all of God's characteristics are not in contrast with one another, but that God could have been a God of love and sent everyone to hell, right? He already given us the opportunity to live up to the law and earn heaven on our own merit. But in his overwhelming love, God decided to provide another way, the way of the gospel. And even there's no contrast between law and gospel when it comes to God's holiness. God demands holiness. And also God has given us his holiness, his righteousness in the personal work of Jesus Christ. And so here in Corinth, Paul reaches out with this need for Christian discipline. And in that need for Christian discipline, that is a loving thing to do. It is for the good and for the benefit of that man and for the benefit of the congregation. As Paul mentions a couple of times, do you not know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Purge out the old yeast. And that statement still in the first half of the chapter is echoed even more strongly in the last verse. God will judge the people outside the church. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. So they can't miss what Paul is saying. That Paul is saying that this man, by his confession of walk, by what he is doing, he is denying the Christian faith. And in their confession of walk, that is, as they carry out and practice their doctrine, they need to remove him from their congregation so that that man is not joining him his confession of faith with theirs, and in that way, tainting or diminishing their own confession of faith and leading others into sin, leading others to think that this isn't a big deal, that, oh, God is love. And so God loves whatever it is that we love. And isn't that the bottom line, that when we talk about a God of love, we need to keep it focused on the God of the Bible. And the love shown in the person and work of jesus christ because there there you see god's love at its deepest at its strongest at its clearest that even though even though god could have condemned all people to hell and still been a god of a god of love because that is one of his essential attributes even though that is the case god in his overwhelming love has given us his son then the other the other point to really note here is that paul wrote probably 3 and maybe 4 letters to corinth during these 2 years when he is staying at ephesus he he maybe goes across the aegean sea for a quick visit as well we don't have any other letters aside from the ones we call first corinthians and second corinthians but some of the note here in first corinthians chapter 5 um opens the door to say that, you know, maybe 1 Corinthians is actually 2 Corinthians. We don't have 1 Corinthians anymore. When he talks about um, in the, the letter that he wrote to them previously. When I, verse 9, when I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with the sexually immoral, I did not mean all the sexually immoral people of the world. And then in that last paragraph, he talks a little bit about living as living as Christians in a sinful world that when we talk about close associations with people we express church fellowship with those whose confession is in line with us and you know membership means joining your confession to somebody doesn't mean that somebody has to clean up their life before they come to our church we want everybody to come to our church and we trust that jesus will work through his gospel to create faith and to change that heart but when we talk about living as light in a world of darkness Basically, what Paul is saying in this, in this last paragraph is that you and I don't have, to, don't have to withdraw from the world simply because the world is full of sinners. And you and I don't have to withdraw from the world simply because we might even be personally repulsed by some of the sin that we see. Quite to the contrary, as a Christian, you know that you can be confident in our God you can be confident in the goodness of our God, yes. And you can be confident in what God has said in his word. And you don't need to, you don't need to try to enforce God's law on somebody else outside the church by, by demonstrating that what they're doing is so wrong. You can simply interact with them and have an open mind. That is to say, be open to conversation, listen to what they have to say, listen with empathy rather than simply waiting for your turn to talk and asking questions. That's part of, part of communication and part of conversation, is that as a Christian, it's okay if, if things take a while, <laughs> and it's okay if you're talking with somebody who really has no concept of the Christian faith. The very first place that you want to be running is not, is not what you should do or what you should not do. It's the cross of Jesus. And that kind of wraps us up for today, that that the essence of Christianity is not love your neighbor and love your Lord. That's the essence of the law, love God and love your neighbor. The essence of Christianity is Jesus Christ, crucified and risen for you, and distributed to you through word and sacrament. That is the Christianity we proclaim, and that is the Christianity that is reflected in our confession of walk, the confession of talk reflected in the confession of walk, that this Jesus is for you and for me. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. God bless your day.